0: What a love he demonstrated on Calvary. And because he lives, we too shall live. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for preparing our hearts through that song to listen to your word. Speak now, Lord, through your Holy Spirit to our hearts and open our eyes to understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of First John. 1 John, and we're in chapter 1, and uh, this morning we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 10. So we're going to finish the chapter here, verses 5 through 10. Again, uh, remember that as the Apostle John here is writing, he's writing to the church in general, not to a specific church. But uh, through this letter, he is going to zero in on... Um, some truths, uh, some foundational truths that are so important for the believer to understand and hold on to because what had been happening is uh, false teaching had been slipping into the church. False teachers were coming and and they they were teaching all kinds of, of false doctrine. And so John needed to straighten some of this out in his letter. And so that's what we're going to look at here. And uh, now he really gets into uh, his subject matter in verse 5. Well, actually, let's uh, let's just read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll we'll look at verse 5. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. There's a title for Jesus Christ. And the life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life. Another description of Jesus Christ, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write So that our joy may be made complete. So here, John is preparing them for what he's about to to say, and he he, again he he is talking about uh, an eyewitness account that he and the others experienced in hearing the word of God and hearing the word of life when they were face to face with Jesus while he walked the earth. And so they heard the message from him, and now they carry on that message and proclaim it to others. And so John wants to make clear that what he is sharing with them concerning truth is that he heard it directly from the Son of God, okay? It's not his opinion or anything like that, but this is straight from the Lord himself, And so that's why he begins in verse 5, look with me now at verse 5, and this is the message we have heard from him. So now he's going to talk about that message that he heard from Jesus, that they heard from Jesus, he and and the other apostles. And we announce to you, so here's the message, that God is light and in him there is no darkness. So, he starts here. John starts with, here's our message to you, Christians. God is light. There is no darkness with him at all. He is light. And John starts here because he realizes that the doctrine that was being spread around in the churches that were upsetting people, and some people were going, Oh, maybe, maybe this is right, is that light and darkness could coexist together. In other words, he's pointing out the purity and the glory of God. And when he mentions the word light, he's talking about the light of god which is in him there is no 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 sin no darkness so the light represents holiness the holiness of god darkness here as he uses the word darkness is uh represents sin sin that cannot be a part uh of fellowship with god and it certainly is not in the presence of of god or in his his character. Notice, he says, "God is light." Now, where do we see this, this, uh, uh, this phrase or this truth about God being light? Question: What are the first words, if you can think of it, try and come up with it? What are the first words ever recorded in the scriptures? by God, that his words that were recorded, the words of God literally were written down. What was the first one? Anybody, can anybody think about that? Genesis. Do you know what it is? Yeah. Let there, what? Be light. You know, it's interesting when you find out these, these little facts that the first words out of God's mouth that were recorded in Scripture is, Let there be light. And that, of course, is so appropriate because God is light. But then we come to the New Testament, and of course, now, John, as John mentions, well, we want to announce to you this wonderful message and a reminder that God is light, and in Him there's no darkness. Who is the one then? that proclaimed to to be the light of God, that was the light, uh, turned to John chapter 1, the gospel of John now. So let's go over to John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And of course, this is speaking of the word, which is Jesus Christ. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. John writes here in his gospel, John chapter 1 verse 4 In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it And then go we'll go on to verse 6 There came a man sent by God whose name was John He came for a witness that he might bear witness of what? The light that all might believe through him. John came to bear witness of the light. Who is what? Jesus Christ. And then verse 8. He, John, was not the light, but he came that he might bear witness of the light. And verse 9. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. So John starts his gospel by saying that Jesus Christ himself is the light, which means if if he is light, if he is the light that came into the world to shine in this dark, sinful world and enlighten all the hearts of sinful man, then what does that make him? It makes him God. It makes him God. Jesus can't be the light if he's not God also. Because this is, this is the eternal light. And now I'll turn to John chapter 8. So we're in the gospel of John. Go over to John chapter 8, verse 12. <clears throat> and here Jesus is speaking. John 8 verse 12, and again, therefore, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. There it is, plain and simple, right there. And John is saying to the church in his letter that he's writing to the church, We heard directly from Jesus about this light, that he is the light of the world. And he came so that men would not walk anymore in darkness in their sin, but they would receive the light of life. So Jesus himself here, as he once again, when he makes this statement, I am the light of the world, only God can make that statement. God is light. Jesus is light. But notice the phrase Jesus used. He who follows me will what? Not walk in darkness. Shall not walk in darkness. And if we, we go further on, uh, we, we, we can see now, if you go back with me to 1 John we will see where John is going with this truth, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Why would he start with this? That Jesus is the light of the world. You know, basically these um, the believers kind of they knew this, but now they are being reminded of it. Well, that takes us to verse six. Look at verse six with me. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk, there's that word walk, walk in darkness, remember Jesus said, you will not walk in darkness, but you have the light of life if you follow me. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And I want to center on that. Phrase right there, practice the truth. Basically, John is bringing up a Christian's behavior, lifestyle, attitudes, and his walk. When we talk about walk, we're to- basically talking about the way he lives his life, the way he thinks, the way he acts. And notice, he- <coughs> excuse me, if He uses the word if. And we're going to see a a number of ifs along the way here. That John uses uh, parallels and he he uses contrasts. So one one if will be positive, one if will be negative. You'll see that as we go along in the next few verses. But what's he saying there in verse 6 here? That if we say... So now he's talking about what a Christian is says, out of his mouth. You know, and what was happening was people were going around saying, uh, oh, I'm close to God. I'm, I've, I've, I've got the interconnection with God. God and I, we've got close fellowship. And they say that, but yet their lifestyle doesn't match what they're saying. What they've chosen to do and the way they chose to live their life and decisions that they're making doesn't match up with true fellowship with the Lord. Now remember, this is not talking about salvation. We want to understand that. When, because when John uses the word fellowship, he's talking about who can fe- have fellowship with God? Only believers. Only you and I. And so, so John is making clear uh, here that those, those Christians who are going around saying, I have fellowship with God. In other words, I'm, I'm real close to the Lord. And they put on the front at church or at home or wherever it is. And they, they look good in front, of, in front of people when they're, they're together and, and they talk the talk. But John is concerned about, you've heard it, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. That's basically what he's pointing at here. That the, these believers were talking up a, you know, a spiritual account of their life and how close they are to God. And yet, if you watch their life and the fruit of it, it doesn't match. There's no way they could truly be walking in, in fellowship with the Lord. There's no way. Now... The Bible never commissioned us to be salvation police. Have you ever met a salvation policeman? (laughs) It's an interesting term. But those who, uh, believers who go around and they think it's their job to figure out who's saved and who's not. So they go around and, and they watch someone and... No, 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 they're not saved. And then they go tell somebody about it. No, no, they can't be Christians. Look at what they're doing. And so, you know, we have those, sometimes there can be that mentality. It's easy to point at others and, and try and judge them. But God does not ask us to do that. Judgment is with the Lord, only the Lord. But what we are is we are fruit inspectors, right? You might say. "By their fruit, what? You shall know them. By the fruit you shall know them." So the fruit is of someone's life is to tell us something about them, but not so much that we can judge whether or not they're Christians or not Christians. But what we can see is, is they can't be walking in fellowship with the Lord they can't be close to the lord if they're they're sinning if sin is part of their life and and you know and, and it's, it's uh, something that's known about them and they found out about them but they they haven't confessed that sin they haven't dealt with that sin what does that tell us well it tells me and i need to be a fruit inspector of myself first because when I sin, I, and I, I recognize that I have sinned, I need to understand that my fellowship, the moment I sin, my fellowship with God is not as close as it was. That there is a brokenness in the fellowship. And suddenly I'm not as close to God as I used to be. And it, it reminds me of, the, uh, of growing up as a kid. Okay, some of you kids here, um, when you disobeyed mom and dad, okay, Skylar, have you ever disobeyed mom and dad? Oh, good. All right. Yep. Yes. He's a good boy. He's a good boy, Skylar, there. But but I know that, that there were times when I didn't obey mom and dad growing up. Right. And and there was some. What happened? Okay, do I have someone? Do I have a witness? Can I have a witness? That's what you hear him say. Can I have a witness? Uh, Is Noah back there? Come on up. Come on. I I don't know why I chose him again, but he's 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 going to be our illustration. Okay, thanks, Noah. Thank you, buddy. Good to see you, buddy. Okay, let's, let's see if we can get this green one on. Okay, Noah, um, can you recall a time in your life when you disobeyed your mom or dad? Do you, can, you, can you think of something that you did that you shouldn't have done? Now, now you don't have to spill your, you know the worst <laughs> things you've ever done or anything like that. Do you remember anything where it displeased your mom and dad? Is there something you can t- share? Not cleaning up the garage. Not cleaning up the garage? Did they ask you to do that? Really? And you didn't do it? Did. So, so Noah, question, buddy. So when, when you didn't clean up that garage, were your parents pleased with you? Were they happy with you? No. They weren't? So it, it wasn't like before, right? That... Something happened, right, when you disobeyed and didn't obey them. Did, did anything come of that? Did, what did your parents do about that? Do you recall? Did, did, did you get any kind of discipline or punishment? I was grounded. Oh, grounded. Oh, I know what that's like. Grounded. Was that fun? No. No, no they shut you down. They grounded you. So, so, so when you were grounded, you did this thing, right? um were you real during this time were you real close to dad and mom like like things were happy between you two you guys not really no no not until when what did you have to do to kind of what was the thing you had to do that that made things better with mom and dad after you did that you disobeyed them ask for forgiveness Yep, that's right. That's right. Did you ever say you're sorry to them? Well, there it is. You said, I'm sorry. That's confession. Hey, give him a hand. He did a great job. Thank you, Noah. Thanks for coming up and being part of that. See, he, I wanted him to demonstrate to all of us this morning. I want you to, Because to, I want you to grasp this idea, this understanding, that God gave us a picture of... of of our relationship with him in the family here on earth our family here on earth so that we are what children of God when I as a child of God right I am now born again Jesus said you have to be born again I'm spiritually born again I become part of the family of God and that's a permanent birth none of you were were born temporarily into your family You were born with their blood, their DNA, and that lasts forever. So it is with God. Born into his family, no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand. You are secure in him. You are a child of God. So when I choose to walk, as what John's saying, when I choose choose to walk in darkness, you know, and and, and I'm, I'm swayed by temptation or my own old nature that's still in me, Even though I'm forgiven at the cross and cleansed, I still have that old sin nature that I can choose to sin. And when I do, if I choose to disobey God's word, does God suddenly say, you're not my son. Okay, I I want nothing to do with you anymore. You you know, you, you cross the line. All right, let me take your name out of my book. Does that happen? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What what is the relationship? It's father-child. Father-child always will be till you get to heaven. So what happens, as, as Noah shared with us so beautifully, when a child disobeys, parents are displeased, and they have to discipline, hoping that that child will come and say, I'm sorry. And what happens when the child apologizes or confesses their sin? Then suddenly the fellowship is good again. Suddenly the fellowship is tight. Suddenly mom and dad are pleased. And no doubt after he was grounded and he paid the price, right? But, but a, he said he was sorry and, and uh, he learned a lesson. What happened? Now he's close to mom and dad again. That's the way it is spiritually with us and our Heavenly Father. I can't and so I can go around, and John basically, this is what he's saying. I can't go around saying, oh, me and God are like this. Yeah. And all the while, I'm over here sinning or have something in my life, some secret sins or sins that aren't confessed, and I don't deal with it. Do I really have fellowship with the Father, close fellowship? No, I don't. It's been broken until... I confess that sin. And so John is basically saying, stop pretending, Christians. Stop pretending that you can walk with God in the light and walk in darkness at the same time. The two don't mix. Then look at verse 7 with me. And notice by the see, the end of verse 6, we're lying to ourselves and to others. The end of verse 6. He says, but if we try and pretend we do both, we lie and do not practice the truth. Practicing the truth is when I take God's word and I act upon it in my life. And I obey God by practicing that truth. I, just not knowing it in my head. And not just saying the truth, but doing it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Then verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from some sin. Is that what it says? Well, that's right. It's the word all. It cleanses us from all sin. The, what is it John saying here? He's saying if but it but if, here's that word if again. If we walk in the light Truly walking practicing the truth of God's word in my life, making sure that that um i am i am you know sometimes i'll sin and i don't <coughs> excuse me realize that that I've sinned you know there's maybe it's an attitude that i that I've had towards someone and I don't recognize it until God lets me know that you know i his holy spirit convicts me of it and and points it out um but here. John is talking about, uh, but if we walk in the light, so that's walking in truth and truly having fellowship with God, which means keeping short accounts with God. I confess my sin. I, I examine my own heart. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with one another. There's that word fellowship again that John uses that word fellowship a lot, that we have fellowship with one another. You know, the body of Christ, we as the body of Christ, we can't really have fellowship with one another unless we're both walking the same way. Unless we both are, are seeking to please God in our life. You know, and there's, there's those that live, the, uh, choose to go away from the Lord, maybe are prodigal like the prodigal son. What happened to the prodigal son in that, that story that Jesus gave? Prodigal son, he remained the son, just like we talked about. His father didn't disown him; He was always going to be his father's son. But what happened? The fellowship was broken because he chose to be, go his own way and do his own thing and step outside his father's will. And that's what we tend to do. We, we will tend to go outside the father's will. But when we choose to walk... In obedience to our Lord and to the truth, what happens? We have wonderful fellowship with one another, with those in the body of Christ who are walking the same way. Isn't it wonderful when you're able to talk to other believers here and, and you know that you know, as you've seen their, their life, the fruit of their life, um, it just shines with, uh, you know, it tells you that they're, they're walking in the light. And another, word, another phrase for walking in the light used in Scripture, especially by the, the Apostle Paul, is walking in the Spirit. Walking in the light, walking in the Spirit are basically the same thing. It's when I walk and allow the Holy Spirit to control me, my thoughts, my actions, and I'm constantly praying, saying, Lord, Lord Jesus, live through me control me through your spirit help me to act like you would act help me to think like you would think and have the right attitudes so then we have fellowship but here's the wonderful thing we're not perfect god is not looking for perfect children did any of you uh, parents have a perfect child no then never never sinned never did anything wrong or displeased you no uh, except Dave Carl. He was, um, you were a good son, I'm sure. You, you, right? You were a perfect child. I'm sure you were. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but here's the thing. Look what he says then. All right. Um, there, the wonderful thing is, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. And ke- that means keep on cleansing. In the Greek, it means to keep on cleansing. that, the blood of Jesus Christ will uh, cleanses us from all sin. And then he'll, he'll, he'll go on concerning that down here in verse 9. But look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And what was happening was there were those Christians going around saying, I don't have any sin. Once I was saved, I'm forgiven. I'm under grace. Therefore, I don't sin. And yet they go and sin but the, but then they say well that 's not really sin you know God forgives God doesn 't hold me accountable and the, and there were those and there are also those that believe that once they are saved there and you will find this doctrine in different some denominations that once you're saved, your old nature is eradicated it 's gone you do not have the old nature anymore, therefore you are perfect sinless and holy and so and if if you show any signs that you're not you you need to start working till you get to that place of perfection you don't find that in the bible anywhere but john is concerned about what the people were saying because what they were saying is not what they were doing and if they said we have no sin yet what's the truth we are all have sinful hearts turn to romans chapter 7 real quick with me romans 7 you know this sinless perfection is is the doctrine that sometimes is is, is promoted that once you become a christian you better not sin ever otherwise you're not really saved but that's not the look what look what paul said about himself and his battle with sin. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. For that which I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but the, I am doing the very thing I hate. Have you ever done that? Where all of a sudden you go, I can't believe I did that. And you wondered, where did that come from? You're trying to walk with the Lord and, and please Him. And yet you end up sinning or thinking something that you shouldn't and acting upon it. So basically, that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I want to do the right thing, but I end up not doing the right thing. I hate that. Verse 16, but if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. So no, now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Paul says right here, sin's still in me. Each one of us will have sin in a sinful nature still until we get to heaven. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Now he has the Holy Spirit, but he's talking about his fleshly body and the old nature. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I wish, I do not. But I practice the very evil that I don't wish to do. Have you ever sinned and all of a sudden you're just broken after you, after you committed that sin? Whatever it is. And you just get angry at yourself. And you, you just can't almost live with yourself because you're so upset. How can I do this against God? Or against somebody else? And, and, and we, we, we get so angry. That's what, that's what the attitude is here with the Apostle Paul. He's looking at his own heart. And then he goes on. And then verse 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, and the one who wishes to do good, that's present within me. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members, in the flesh, the body. Wretched, now he talks about himself this way. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of this death? Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one who will set us free when we are, we are battling that sinful nature in us. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. Christian don't try, you can't be perfect but what we do what we should do and can do is be cleansed by the blood as soon as we recognize our sin and confess it. So go back with me and let's just finish this up in in 1 John chapter 1. So he sees, he's just saying stop being hypocrites. You know, and don't listen to the lies of other people. You know, We should not walk in darkness even though we have the capability to walk in darkness. And if you are walking in darkness in your life, Christian, get out of it. Confess your sin and get right with God. And then verse 9 and 10. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, uh, that's what... uh, my dad used to refer to, I mentioned it, and actually Nick mentioned it last Sunday, that this is, First 1 John 1, nine is the Christian's bar of soap, we like to call it, where daily, use it for daily cleansing, to wash, right? And so that if we confess our sin, we admit we're sinners, we admit we still have a sin nature, confess it, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to wash it away by his blood. How wonderful is that? And what happens then? Just like Noah helped us to understand, we are now walking back in close fellowship with the Father. Walking with the Father. In verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, there it is again saying, oh, I haven't sinned, and pretending we we haven't sinned, uh, and we don't call it what God calls it, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. John is concerned about self-examination. You know, when I was, uh, a week ago this past Tuesday, it was Tuesday night, and there I, I just finished carrying a, an air conditioner down from the second floor to the garage. And it was then I was heading to bed, it was about 11.30 at night, Tuesday night, when all of a sudden the pain started. And I started to get that Amazing, incredible chest pain. That was just like a vice. And I, was, I, couldn't, I, went, I told Sharon, I says, honey, I think you got to call 911. It was getting worse and worse. I, I had to lay on the floor. I couldn't move. <coughs> she called 911. They rushed me to Hershey Med Center. And, uh, of course, then they, they did all the, all the examining and everything. Basically, they said, according to your blood work, yeah, you, you've had a, a major heart attack. But we gotta find out why. So I didn't know what they were gonna find. So there I am, you know, and doctor says we're gonna be doing a heart catheterization, okay? Some of you know, have had that done, know what it is. And so this is not new to some some of you. This is my first experience with it. But I didn't know what they were gonna find. Were they gonna find multiple blockages of arteries, uh, congestive heart failure, I mean, all kinds of things. They could have found in there I just didn't know what so it was but it was time to check the heart and check it intensively and so there they finally the time came they rolled me into the the this surgical room where they're going to do the procedure and so they were going to give me some happy medicine so I didn't go out all the way uh and uh so I was kind of loopy But I could understand what they were, you know, they they were starting to give. They hadn't given it to me yet, but it was coming. And uh, I would still be awake for it. And what they had, there was a monitor right next to me, a big giant monitor. And so I could watch what they're doing. Some of you know that, that there's a monitor screen. So uh, right before they were about to say, now we're going to get started. I said, doctors, uh, would it be okay if I prayed with you? They were kind of like, what? what did he say? You know, yeah, could I pray with you over this? And so, yeah, sure. And so, so I got to pray with the doctors that were about to do this. And I just said, Lord, thank you for these doctors. They're your hands. And Lord, we commit this procedure to you. Pray that they'll find out what's wrong, Lord. And uh, I just commit myself to you and thank you for what you're going to do. And, uh, I don't know afterwards what, what they thought when they left, but, uh, but I knew we needed to pray about it. And so I, I knew that there was time to do the heart check and then they began and I could see, I was still awake. So I could see the monitor and there they're pushing this wire. They pushed it through my wrist. They didn't do, uh, into my legs, but they, they did this new procedure in the wrist radial, it's called. And they they sent this little wire up through my wrist. And it followed my my artery, vein, artery, actually, all the way up through my heart. And so all of a sudden, I could see this little wire going through my heart. There's a picture of this monitor of my heart, and there's this little wire going up and down slowly. Oh, nope, don't go that way. And and you could hear them talking. You know, <laughs> you don't know which way they're going, what they're going to do, what they're going to find. So I didn't know. And then finally, as they're finishing it up, I, you know, I I kind of closed my eyes and. Stop watching the monitor. That was the best thing to do. Um, don't watch your own heart being worked on. I, I recommend that. And so then, then there it was. I'm just, uh, then finally, um, when it was all over, they kind of, you know, I, I wasn't completely asleep, but they t- touched me and said, it's, it's all done, we're all done. And then they they described what they found. They said, well, we did find that you had a 90% blockage of the left main artery of your heart, which is also, we, has been termed the widow maker. It's the one that when it is 100% blocked, most men, boom, drop dead. That's why it's called the widow maker, because you're pretty much curtains once you reach that point. But God allowed me, it was in God's perfect timing and plan that it would only be 90% blocked, and they were able to. Do something about it. And so he says, "That's really the only artery that we found that was blocked." And so we put a stent in and opened it up. So now I got that stent in there that keeps the artery open so that the blood can flow through. And and so, you know, I went through all that. But and I just think, you know, I thank the Lord for your your prayers were answered. And I'm just slowly getting back in, into things and trying to be careful. But, uh, but what, what it reminded me here was what John was saying. You know, I think I, this, this hit home with me. God wants me to allow him to do a spiritual heart catheterization on me every day. Let him, Lord, please just, Lord, if, 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 you know, this is what you want. I know that this is, this is what you, you desire to look into my heart. Search my heart and know, know my heart, the psalmist said, and see what? If there be any wicked way in me. You know, is that my prayer? Will I allow God to do a catheterization on my heart every day? Spiritually speaking, and say, Lord, reveal to me where, where I'm I'm walking in darkness. Where I'm really not, you know, I pretend I'm in fellowship with you, but I'm really not, because I haven't dealt with this sin in my life. Let's go to the Lord this week and say, Father, turn the searchlight on on my heart. And see if those, show me those wicked ways and that I might be able to for, uh, confess them and know that you will forgive. And he will forgive. And then I can know fellowship is the best it's ever been with my Father in heaven. And I'll be walking with joy, peace, contentment because I know I am in the center of the Father's will. I'm walking in the light. Let's pray with our heads bowed this morning as we close if you're here without Christ I invite you to accept the Savior your heart's never been changed it's never been washed by the blood of Christ you need to accept Christ as your Savior right now would you do it just simple simply confess your sin to him admit you're a sinner and tell him that you need him to save you If you understand that Jesus paid your price on the cross. Pray a prayer like this with me right now. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead. Lord Jesus, with heads bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you're now a child of God. You've been born again. Welcome to the family. Dear Christian, if you want a closer walk with the Lord and you want to make sure that your fellowship is right with God, would you say, Lord, do a spiritual heart catheterization in me today? And show me if there's something in my life I need to deal with. Some area in my life where I'm walking in darkness. That I might confess and come back into walking in the light. That I might please you. Would you ask him, Christian? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for the precious blood that cleanses us from all sin. And may we walk in the light, even as you are in the light. And we'll thank you for... What you do in our hearts as we make these commitments, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.